That is a video about who we are as a church community. We are committed to making this community around us a better place, to caring for people uh, that, as we've talked about already, that we believe that everything that we have is a gift from God, and so we give it back. We pass it on to others, whether it's the love we receive, the generosity and resources, whatever it is. So that is just who we are. We are about loving people in this community and changing it for good. Uh, you have in your, what do we call those, bulletins? We have in your bulletin one of these. This is a different kind of envelope, and I wanted to tell you why just really quick. You'll see on the cover it says, Giving Challenge. We wrote that, and we give this to you. Um, every week we, we don't pass plates here in t- terms of giving. We have these boxes at the back, and we just, that's between you and God. Uh, as, as he blesses you, he invites you to give back. Uh, this time of the year in June and also in December, in December because we got the tax thing and people are thinking about charitable donations and everything like that. And then also in June, we talk about it specifically, we talk about giving because our fiscal year as an organization starts in July. And so we are making plans for this next year based on the giving that we receive in the previous fiscal year. So as we're wrapping it up, we're looking at that and we're making plans based on how you give. So I wanted to just invite you to consider a giving challenge. And the challenge will be simple. If you don't currently give to this church, if you're brand new, welcome. We love having you. Get a feel for it. Join the family. If you've been coming for a little while and this is your church, but you haven't yet kind of crossed that next threshold in terms of generosity with your resources, I would just invite you to consider giving something. Start somewhere. Maybe it's 1% of what you make monetarily, of what God has blessed you with financially. Start somewhere. And if you are like, I'm not even sure about this guy. I haven't even met Caleb yet. I don't know very much about this church. I'm not sure I want to do that. That's okay. But give somewhere because it's a part of your own spiritual growth and development. You cannot keep growing in your relationship with God if you don't trust him with your finances. If you, don't, if you don't acknowledge that it's all ultimately from him, you cannot keep growing like he wants you to grow. So give somewhere at least. But as a giving challenge, I want to I wanna encourage you to give something here. And those of you who already do give and you've bought in, the, you know the Fearless campaign, you, you, you swiped the car, you did the thing, I want to just invite you to consider giving a, a little bit more, whatever that looks like. If that's between you and God. You pray, you ask him, you listen, whatever that is. I don't know what anybody gives, so it's not any kind of a weird deal like that. Uh, I just know that for me and Hillary, it's a part of our own spiritual growth and development as we trust God and say, hey, everything we have is yours in the first place. And so we give generously back to you. Um, I also want to tell you that this past week, I was on a pastor's retreat. So about four days this week. And we were up in Arrowhead. So you are a part of Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. This is our own unique church. We are uniquely growing together, reminding ourselves of the things that matter most, understanding what God has for us uniquely, and changing this community. We are also connected to a larger 
church network family called Mariners with three other campuses around Orange County. And so once a year, the pastors, we get together and we go away. And this past week we did that and we went up to Arrowhead. And it was a good time. Those of you, I mean, if you need to just get out sometimes. How many of you have like a, a plan to go somewhere else over the summer? You're going to take a little vacation, a little retreat, a little getaway, do something. It's a little bit ironic because you live in the place where everyone else wants to vacation, right? We know that and we are grateful to God for that. But it's important to get out of the routine once in a while and do something different. I went up to uh, near Lake Arrowhead and we did this retreat thing and it was so much fun. And it, I, it, was, it was good for me to get out. Even if your routine is good, it's good to break free sometimes and just see things differently and clear your head and let God do some different things. I think we have some pictures too of this retreat, do we guys? So we had fun and games. There's Jairus. He's about to get embarrassed. Um, this guy over there acting crazy. There he is chugging some tea. Uh, you know, something about Jairus, you guys should know, Jairus is deceptively athletic. This dude is good at stuff. I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment either. I mean, like, the, the, guy, the guy is really good. At, you think he just plays guitar and has a cool beard and little frohawk thing, but he is an athlete. And so he and I got to play on the same basketball team, and we ran, won a bunch of games, and, uh, and then played some soccer. And you will be proud to know that among all the other, you know, Mariners churches, we represented you well in the athletic department on this trip. And, and it is fun. It is fun getting to do that and play with these guys, beards and all. Um, okay, that's good on the pictures. So one of, one of the other interesting things about this trip is that we were up at a, at a, you know, a retreat center. I'm not going to tell you who runs this retreat center. We were there, and I noticed, I noticed on the wall that there was a list of rules. This retreat center was very strict in how they went about their business, and they had this list of rules that they expected us and everyone who went there to adhere to, and these rules were pretty lengthy. There were a lot of them, and they were rules like no four-letter words, um, no running around the facilities, you know, when there's people, no staying out after 11 p.m. and things like that. There was a rule on this list that was no stretching in the lobby. No stretching in the lobby. So clearly, this had become an issue at some point in time. Clearly, there was an incident of sorts, and I imagine some older guy in shorts that are too short and doing his thing right there. And, and like, it's, there was like a little a parenthesis that was like, not even praiser size, which is like praiser size. That's like the most religious, hokey thing I've ever heard of. But they didn't, wouldn't even let you have praiser size, whatever that is, in this space. Spandex, clearly not acceptable. Uh, Two-piece bikinis at the pool. Not, I mean, so much rules on this thing that Jairus and some of the other pastors just made an, a, kind of an intentional effort to break every one of them. And so um, <laughs> we, we looked at that and we were like, dang, you guys need to like um, relax a little bit in your life and, and have a good time. Uh, and it made me think of us wrapping up this series right now because we live in a culture that thinks that Christians are about a list of rules and regulations. We live in a culture that looks at people 
who associate with Jesus, and they, and they have this idea of Christian, and Christian has become known for all these weird, political, judgmental, homophobic, all these types of things in our culture, rules, regulations, do's and don'ts, which is the opposite of what Jesus came to do and who he was. And so we've been talking about this. This is the eighth week, and this is the week where we wrap it all up. Because what we've said is that Christian doesn't even mean anything anymore. Jesus didn't call his followers Christians. That was a term that outsiders used in a negative context to talk about people. Oh, you little Christians who are following him. And so when it's not defined by the guy who leads, it becomes interpreted in all kinds of different ways. And so now you have Christians that believe in every different kind of thing. They're on every side of every political issue. They've gone to war against each other. There's just no consistency. And as a result, you have a world that looks at Christians and just thinks they don't even know what they believe. They don't, and they sure as heck don't remind me of who this Jesus was. And so we've been talking about in this series, moving away from this idea of Christian, whatever that is, and into being followers of Jesus. Jesus invited people to come and follow him. He, he called them disciples. And while it's not clear at all in Scripture what a Christian is, Jesus is very clear about what it is to be a disciple, what it is to follow him, how then we should live. And it's important because we live in a world that is sick and tired of the other, of the ugly, of the judgmental, of the hypocritical, of the politically energized, And they're looking for something authentic, something real, something that speaks to their soul of God. And we are too. There's this quote that I wanted to read to you. Have you you heard of Anne Rice? She's considered one of the greatest authors of this last generation. And she wrote things like Interview with the Vampire that became a movie and a number of other things that have become movies. She's an excellent author. And in July of 2010, she posted this on her Facebook page. Today I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ as always, but not to being a Christian or to being part of Christianity. It's simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious... You know what that word means? I actually had to look it up. (laughs) It means means, uh, prone to dispute, right? Right? So this hostile, this quarrelsome, this prone to dispute and deservedly infamous group for 10 years, I've tried, she says, and I've failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will allow nothing else. She goes on, my faith in Christ is central to my life. My conversion from a pessimistic atheist lost in a world I didn't understand to an optimistic believer in a universe created and sustained by a loving God is still crucial to me. But following Christ does not mean following Christians. She just couldn't take what that had become. And she's not the only one. A lot of you, I know some of you even started coming to our church in these last seven or eight weeks because we were talking about this. Because you were like, finally, 
people who understand that I'm sick of that kind of religious hypocrisy. I want to know God, and I want to know his love, and I want to be a people, a person of love. And so you have plugged into our church as a result of that. Because there is so much distaste and so much that we are just tired of in that whole fake realm of rules and regulations on a wall. And the reality is Jesus invites us into, and has always invited us into something so different. John 13, 35 says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. You know what your calling card is if you want to be a follower of Jesus? That people can distinguish your love. That your love for others, how you treat others, is obvious. That's how people will know that you follow Jesus. Not by bumper stickers, not by how you vote, not even by church attendance, not by whether or not you say certain words, not by all, but by your love for other people. Now you'd think, by judging what you hear from Christianity out in the world, you would think that Jesus had said, the world will know you are my disciples if you form the the right political alliances, condemn extreme sinners, stay far away from the liberal crazies, start your own clothing lines and media companies and breath mint companies, and protest when things don't go your way. But that's not at all what Jesus said. He said, the world will know that you are mine by your love for one another. Unfortunately, that has not been what Christianity has been marked by. My dad told me when I was growing up, you want to tuck this one away, that it is nearly impossible to talk your way out of a reputation you have acted your way into. It's nearly impossible to talk your way out of a reputation that you have acted your way into. And so we, as a people, have this challenge in front of us to, to maybe disassociate with all of, the, all of the weirdness and the inconsistency and the hypocrisy of, of one thing and move into what it means to really follow Jesus and to be his disciple. So when Jesus walk the face of the earth, he was always being challenged by people, and they were trying to get him to slip up and to trip and to stumble into something and to get him to to prove that he wasn't who he said he was and to get him to make the wrong people mad. So they were always trying to trap him in his words, and on one particular occasion, people came up to him, and they they were challenging him, and they wanted to see, is this guy for real? And they said, they said to him, okay, so, so teacher, you're this great teacher, What's the most important command? So they're good Jewish people, right? And they know that the, you know, Moses brought down these Ten Commandments, and these are like the Big Ten. And then and there's also like 603 more commands that were added on top of that just for good measure so that everything in your life was kind of accounted for, and there was this kind of place that you had to fit in. So talk about like a, a, a list of rules on the wall in every room of your house and in your workplace and in your car just so that you didn't get too far out of line with, the, with these rules. And so these these teachers, these religious people, come to Jesus trying to trick him, trying to get him to expose himself, his, his, his you know, false teaching or whatever. And they ask him, so which one's the most important? Of all these rules and all these commands, which one's most important? And this is where we're going to focus for a minute. Jesus replied, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all, the, with all your mind. And in other words, love him with everything that you are. Love him completely. Not in these different like sections and compartments of your life. Love him with your whole self. And then without even hesitating, he said, there's another part of it. He didn't even let them get their, get their you know, next question out. He said, and the second is like it. In other words, and these two things go together. I can't just give you one without the other. You have to do these in tandem with each other or you're missing the point. So the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, even if you didn't grow up going to church, you've probably heard these words before. You've probably been taught this in some way or been exposed to it. But it's the next sentence that Jesus utters that we tend to forget, look over, or not pay attention to. The next sentence in verse 40, he says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. All the law, all the prophets, everything else that has been written and recorded in Scripture, everything else that is still yet to be recorded in Scripture in the New Testament by the apostles, Every good habit that you have, every good idea, every good principle that you follow, every discipline that you've adopted, every good parenting tip as you make parenting decisions, every good relational piece of advice that you receive, everything else hangs on these two commandments. If there is anything else worth following, it must be built on this foundation. Love God with everything that you are and love other people like you love yourself. Everything else, everything else, everything else of value, of instruction, of priority is seen through this filter. And what happens is we often, we, we see the, the rules and the list and the thing, and we look at the commands, and we forget the intent of the commander. And religious people become obsessed about these different rules, and they talk about those things, and they judge people by these standards, and they forget that all of it, the point of all of it, was to be a filter of love that we see everything else through. That nothing, if, if all of that is not on the foundation of love, then it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just religiousness, worthlessness. It's just, it's just sheer discipline with no real payoff for your soul. Everything else hangs on these two things. Love God with every part of you. Love others as you love yourself. Which, for followers of Jesus, begs this question. What does love require of me? What does love, then, require of you? You can have a list of do's and don'ts and check boxes and things that you dance around or do or don't do, but the real question for your life is what does love require of you? What does love require of you in this relationship, in this work struggle? What does love require of you in this thing that you're going through? What does love require of you in every interaction what does love invite you into? What does, that look, what does it look like to love my neighbor as myself? 
What does it look like to be defined by my behavior and not just my intellectual belief system? What does that look like for me? Now, so Jesus sets this stage and says, this is what everything is about. This is the foundation of everything. And it's brilliant and it's genius and it's a God thing. And you will see the evidence of it in your own life after I tell you this. The reason why this is so important is because the beliefs, the the policies, the rules and regulations, the way you know that those aren't the thing that ultimately matter is simple. Think about the people in your life that have had the most profound impact on you. They fall into two categories. You ready? The people in your life that have influenced you most and shaped who you are are people who have hurt you and who have loved you. Your life, you are who you are today because of the people in your life who have hurt you and those who have loved you. Those who have hurt you deeply and those who have loved you profoundly. Those who have hurt you and caused you pain and those who have loved you and given you significance. Those two categories of people have made you who you are. And you know that it's true. Far beyond theology and belief systems, you don't care about that. What you care is what you felt from them. Like the parent who dragged their kid to church week after week and then left them alone the rest of the week. Like the pastor who was really eloquent and articulate and preached from the Bible and said all the right stuff and then totally betrayed your trust. Like the priest who had mass and had a big following and no one knew that behind closed doors he was abusing kids. Behavior matters more than belief. You can believe the right things and treat people really, really badly. And how you behave is influencing. You are doing this same thing to others. You are a person who is loving others well or causing hurt in the lives of other people. I was with a friend yesterday who's been coming to our church just for about a month or two. And she's never gone to church before. And she didn't want anything to do with church because she had been hurt by hypocritical Christians or whatever in her past. And so so she was disinterested. And it was because of, uh, you know, just meeting her and, uh, and inviting her to this place. And so she jumped into Rooted even before she ever came on a Sunday just because she felt like maybe God was trying to get her attention. She was just searching and... And she showed up, and she's, in these last few weeks, been processing through this thing and starting to really believe that maybe, maybe God does love her, and maybe the people that hurt her in the past weren't acting on behalf of God. Maybe that was just their own brokenness. And so she's starting to believe that, and she's telling me this yesterday. But then she says, but my husband, he, won't, he still won't come to church with me because he, went, he grew up going to Catholic school, and nuns treated him really, really harshly. And he wants nothing to do with God. Friends, how true is that for so many people? You can believe all the right stuff. People that have hung the banners and sang the songs and say and do, you know, they look good on the outside, 
but they're hurting people. They're not loving people. Why? Because behavior matters more than belief. The reality today is that you have, the way you have been treated has more to do with who you are than what you believe. That's why Jesus was so serious about this. That's why he said, God is love. And if you are going to follow me, you need to love God with everything that you are and love everyone else as yourself because that is the fundamental of life because that is what everything else is built on. That is what everything else hangs on. And you can have all the right rules and you can do all the right stuff and you can look fancy and, and you know, whatever else. But if you don't have love, you're missing the point. He says it a different way in Matthew 7. He says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Again, this sums up everything else. This is our best play. This is our secret sauce. This is the only way that we are going to reach the world. This is the only way that you are going to win over that loved one or that friend or that other. You're not going to convince them. You are not going to argue them into a new set of beliefs. You are going to love them into change as someone has loved you and drawn you to the love of your God. That's how it happened for you, didn't it? Because of love, not by being convinced by someone else's rules and regulations. And so we talked today about shifting from, this, from just being a believer or just being someone who, who believes the right things to someone who is willing to follow, someone who is willing to live as Jesus lived. Do you know that every time Jesus made a statement or preached to people, he was looking at that person's unique story. He was looking through their eyes and into their soul, and he was dr- addressing them in their unique situation in their unique time and place. He did not break out a list of all the verses that he always uses in this divorce situation. Not my go-to list for people who are struggling in their sexual lives. Not my go-to verses for people who are gluttons. Not all the verses that I throw out to everyone who is in this category or that category. He didn't do that. He looked into each unique person's story and he gave them the the perfect embodied amount of both grace and truth that they needed to hear that was the extension of his love and he changed them with love. And that is his invitation to us. That's what he's done with you and that's what he does through you. So there are two statements that I want to give, that I want to offer you. We could go in different ways with this, but for me, these were the simplest kind of handles to walk away kind of out of the theoretical and into the practical. And what it means to really live like this, to live in this kind of attitude and posture of love. The first one is to value yourself. In other words, don't do anything that will hurt you. You cannot hurt you and love God. Because God created you. Those of you who are parents understand this. If your kid, even my, even though he's only like four months old today, if he hurt himself, it would hurt me, right? You have to value you. You can't do things that hurt you. Value you because you are created in God's image. You are a child of the king of the universe. If you don't value you, you don't understand his love. Value you. 
care for you. Don't do things that hurt you. Don't get sucked into addictive patterns that are just kind of, it feels like it's just between you and you, but it's actually hurting your relationship with God and it's hurting your relationship with others. Don't do things that hurt you because God loves you. The second thing is to value everyone else. In other words, don't do anything that will hurt someone else. Look at Philippians 2. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, this isn't, this isn't like a military thing. That's a, that's a different thing. There's, you know, the Bible is clear on that. But what we're talking about is between you and other people that you interact with on a daily basis. Don't hurt other people. Even the people who hurt you, even the ones who treated you badly as you were coming up and growing up, even them, Jesus still died for them. They are still created in God's image just like you are. Don't hurt other people. Sometimes love requires you stepping in and saying something in truth. Remember we talked about Jesus being the perfect embodiment, the fullness of both grace and truth, and sometimes love is stepping in and saying something when you don't want to. But always, always, always just soaked in grace. Some of you are hurting people, and it's not with like the big bad sins that are on the wall, but it's with cutting sarcasm and criticism, and it's hurting somebody. It's hurting somebody. Some of you are hurting other people with, with dangerous patterns that you think are just between you and you, and it's hurting your family. It's hurting people. It's not just between you and you. I read a study recently. Every, every addict impacts, seriously impacts, for negative, at least 20 people. They think it's just their issue but it's, you are impacting severely at least 20 others. That's just the reality. It's not just between you and you. Don't hurt people. Value yourself. Value other people. And look into their unique story. Understand the pain that they're coming out of. Understand that they're not just operating in a vacuum here. They are the way they are because of either the pain they have experienced or the love they have experienced. And treat every situation, every person uniquely and ask yourself this question, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? And then we live as Jesus did. 1 John 2 says, But those who obey God's word truly show how, they completely, how completely they love him. That is how we know that they are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Once upon a time, there was a group of people that, that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. They saw him hang on a cross and die. And then over 500 people saw him resurrected from the dead and ascending into heaven. Okay, 
And of this group of people that they went out and they began to change things, they began to talk about this radical idea that maybe religion wasn't the thing and maybe we don't need another religion and maybe, we don't, maybe there's more than just beliefs and, and maybe there's this new way that Jesus came and, and paid for everyone's sins and shortcomings so that everyone could have connection with God. And all they had, this group of people, all they had was these, were these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else hangs on just these things. It was before they had any New Testament. It was before they had any kind of like Christian music and T-shirts and clothing and all this kind of stuff. They didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have any rules and regulations and things on top of that. They just had that simple commitment. And they literally changed the world. They got the attention of everyone in the Roman Empire, including the emperor. When everyone else was fleeing and running from pain, they went into it. When everyone else was abandoning the lonely and the lost, they leaned in. When everyone else was doing whatever they wanted, they did the right thing, and they cared for people, and they loved people well, and they changed everything. And then somewhere along the way, because they became famous, because someone started calling them Christians and they, and they said, hey, this, this way of these Jesus followers, it's working and it's working better than the other ways that we've tried. Let's make our whole Roman society like a, a, a Catholic, like a Christian thing. And so they went down that road and somewhere in that mix, followers of Jesus started to become just believers and now they had the power in society and so they started leveraging their power instead of leveraging love. They started leading with their authority as the ordained church of the state, and they stopped leading with love. And we have been living in that consequence ever since. And that's why we have the society that we have, so influenced by the words and the principles of Jesus, yet confused by this weird power struggle of wanting to be something, wanting to exert power, wanting to leverage something other than just love. And any time... You leverage anything other than love, you lose your leverage. Anytime you lead with something other than love, people are going to be suspicious and not going to want to follow. You cannot legislate parents to love their kids better. You cannot legislate husbands to be faithful to their wives more. You cannot preach people to break their addictions. You cannot preach at people until they say they're sorry and genuinely mean it. You cannot preach and legislate and change things. Change comes when people come in contact with true, generous love. That is how we will impact this world around us. We are living in this world that is suspicious, that is tired of weird religion and, and weird people that are inconsistent and hypocritical and that don't practice what they preach. We are living in a world that is looking for something authentic, that, is, that will be curiously attracted to your life, that is kind of this magnetic, mysterious pole 
of love that says that there's something more than just believing the right things on a page or looking like I have it all together, but I actually literally care about you. I actually am looking for ways that I can offer you the truth and the hope of Jesus and just cloak this thing in so much grace because you need to know that God loves you so much and that he created you in his image and he wants a relationship with you and I've discovered that relationship and I just want you to know about it. And they don't want to hear. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work to impose your belief system on somebody else. They are watching your behavior. And you are too. That's how you got here. That's how you got here. No one convinced you to be a follower of Jesus. You were exposed to love somewhere along the way. The way. Someone loved you well. Someone pointed you and showed you the love of Jesus. And somehow that took root in you. And he is transforming your life. And his invitation is to let that love live out through you and into the lives of others. That is his plan. That is what he wants to do in this community. That is how we are going to change this community. That is how we are going to continue to invite our friends and neighbors and people like that because they need the hope that we have and they are desperate for the love that we have. What they don't need is a prescriptive thing on how to do life better according to these 10 rules. What they need to know is that they are loved and that you value them because you value you, because you love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you literally want to love others really well. That is the invitation. That is what it means to follow Jesus. And so mariners, having been around a long time, they, they have done this thing called, they, they stand up and they say, I believe, and it's kind of the statement that says, hey, I, I am a believer, I want to cross that line. Some of you have never even crossed that line before, and you haven't yet kind of taken that step of faith and said, I want to follow Jesus. But today we're going to do it a little bit differently because this whole series has been built on a slightly different idea. Yes, you believe, you want to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the son of God, that he came to earth, that he was killed as a sacrifice for all of our sin on a cross so that everyone was forgiven if you simply receive and want a relationship with God. And so, yes, we believe that, but today we're going to say it differently. We're going to do something differently. I'm going, to invite, I'm going to invite you to stand and make a different kind of statement today and say, I will follow. I will follow. Because we've moved from this idea of just kind of the cognitive belief into saying, Action matters, and my actions speak louder than words. And so we're going to take action this morning and just make a simple statement and just say, I, I am in. I'm no longer sitting on the sideline. Uh, maybe, I've been a, maybe I've been someone who believed the right stuff, but I have not loved other people well. Maybe I've been someone who's been a Christian on paper, but I'm not sure that I've ever followed Jesus with my life. You might be making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, or for you, it might be something slightly different that says, you know, this is how I've been, this is how I've operated, but I want to be a disciple. I will follow. That's the invitation today. So I want to invite you, before you leave, before you think about lunch and whatever else is going on, don't miss this moment. We're going to respond by singing, but I want you to have a moment that you remember if God has been speaking to you over these weeks or this morning. And then just to stand right now, whether you shout it or whisper it, just make a declaration, God, I'll, I will follow. 
I will be one who follows. So let's do that now. God, I will follow. stand and we make this declaration to you, it's, it's with a sober realization that it's easy to be a Christian. Anybody can do that by checking a box or, or saying a couple of things, I don't know. But to follow you, to be your disciple, that's something a little bit different. We want to live as you lived. We want to love as you love. We want your love that you pour through us to go out from us and to affect other people. We want to know you in a real and meaningful way. We don't want to settle for hypocritic, weird kind of judgmental lifestyles. Although we will never be perfect on this side of heaven, we want to follow you. We want to love others as you love them. God, help us, to, help us to understand more of what that means this morning. Help us to really sense your love for us as we continue to respond and listen to you.